This is Seeds of Truth. Your host is Joe Holcraft, Doctor of Theology of St. John's Catholic Parish and the Sacramento Diocese. If you have a question or would like to support Seeds of Truth Ministries, the website is joeholcraft.org. Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joel Kraft, coming to you from... KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Wednesday evening where we are set to explore another movie. And as promised last week, we are set to engage the movie Venom. And uh, as always, I do have Father Mike with me to uh, join me in this reflection. So, Father Mike, great to have you with me another evening. It's good to be here, Joe. This is uh, one of the few movies that we've actually seen in the theaters together. And we saw it like... 45 minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, well, the first movie, I was just about to say, the first movie that we literally just left the, the movie theater and, you know, we thought we'd try something different. Uh, quite honestly, it was just our schedules, I think, that more or less demanded that it was going to work this way. But it was great. First of all, secondly, the bishop called me in the theater right in the middle of the movie. So I was like, wow, you know, this is perfect storm. Well, if, I, if I'm going to be honest, Father Mike, it was when you got that phone call that I thought to myself, okay, I'm going to have to call another audible with Father Mike. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it worked out. And, you know, we, we've often said we do our, we, you know, we'll watch the movie generally uh, separately because Joe talks too much during the movies. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but and then we'll, we'll get together and, and we'll have a great conversation, whether, uh, you know, just in the room or, or uh, you know, decompressing after the movie. And we've always said to ourselves, why didn't we just record that? Yeah. Well, so, here you go. Right. Yeah. So this is the first ever to walk from the theater to the studio. And of course, it was a lot of fun. So th- this movie is uh, generally of the, the superhero genre. And uh, the first thing that I would note is just from the previews, there, there's a lot more of that coming down the pipe. Yeah. So yeah. as we've spoken to it before, this kind of, um, this genre is really, uh, really engaging the culture right now. And the movie kind of begins with a, a ship that's coming back from space. It crashes and they've got these uh, creatures in, inside of little glass containers. Uh, they, they bond with a host, whether it's an animal, a human being, and inhabiting that host, they have... Uh, they can uh, wield great powers and kind of transform and stretch themselves. And so uh, the, the, the world is headed towards destruction. Kind of the lead monster is going to bring all the other creatures back to kind of feed on the inhabitants of the earth. Of course, one of these creatures that's bonded with our main character uh, is kind of converted by his character. Mm-hmm. And a great battle ensues to protect this rocket from taking off, which is going to uh, result in the end of the world as we know it. So kind of a predictable framework for a superhero movie like this, but it was, it was intense, it was action-packed and a lot of fun. It also opened up some very interesting uh, ethical questions, uh, to name only, only one area that we might get into. Yeah, yeah. Well, you had mentioned something, Father Mike, there a few minutes ago about all of these new movies coming out very post-apocalyptic, but also movies that are tied just not to the hero but to the anti-hero, right? So just not to the hero who espouses towards uh, courage and fortitude and strong morals, but maybe a little selfishness, maybe a little amorality, Mm. maybe 
a little less than what a normal hero would be for us, right? And what's really striking to me about this movie is you tend to kind of like the antihero a little more. I I don't know about you, but I found myself, gosh, there's something more human about the antihero than the hero. And, And in that, I found myself gravitating towards this character more than maybe a Spider-Man or a Batman or a Superman. I don't know. Yeah, it is kind of interesting because here you have this kind of hideous monster who's biting people's heads off, and, <laughs> yeah. and he's literally actively killing the host he's inhabiting and ruling him, and this guy's life is falling apart, at least initially. So this is, this is a bad, bad creature, and yet we're rooting for him. Uh, part of that, I think, is humor. It's kind of funny, the situation, and you know he'll be on the bus, and he'll say, like, Hungry, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and then you say, so it's comical. Yeah, yeah. So I think there's something there that humor uh, breaks down some of those normal walls. There's yeah. something to be said. Yeah, you know, the, the other thing that that comes out strongly in this movie, this creature comes from a race of creatures of this nature, and he is kind of like the weakling of the bunch. He's he's a superhero. He's I mean superhuman strength uh, on Earth, and uh, but he's not the uh, you know, he's certainly not uh, the cream of the crop where he comes from. And an interesting dialogue that ensues as the, as the plot thickens, if you want. Um, he says, I've, you and I, he's speaking to the host, the human being, we're a good match because you're kind of a loser. He says, but I'm a loser too. Mm. And uh, it is interesting, the bond that's formed out of uh, a common sense of weakness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, overcoming the insurmountable odd, mm-hmm. uh, insurmountable odds rather. I um, I've quoted here before a couple of times uh, Henry Nouwen. He he speaks of the human family as the intimate fellowship of the weak, and I I do think that that uh, coming together in our weakness and striving for that which is so much beyond us. There there is something to be said there for the for the kind of bonding uh, that eventually happens in the movie. So I, I thought that, that that piece was kind of interesting, to be honest with you. It, it is weird that we uh, end up rooting for the bad guy. At least he's a bad guy initially. Uh, I do think part of the, uh, I don't know how to say this any better, but part of the sex appeal of his character, if you want to put it that way, is that he makes our otherwise weak and you know maybe detestable candidate or, or character here suddenly uh, very, very strong, very powerful, and something about that is very enjoyable to watch. Well, and I think it also goes back, Father Mike, to what we've said before in relationship to watching a movie from a safe place. Mm. You know, because mm. you, you're watching this Brock Reed, okay, yeah. this is the character's name, and he's constantly stumbling over himself, right? He, he gets himself into trouble because he made a number of bad decisions. Yet, you know, we look at him stumbling over his feet and we say, yeah, that's me. You know, and as we say that's me, we are then finding ourselves gravitating towards this character. Yep. And then you talk about the I and the thou, the we, this kind of symbiotic relationship that is going on between Brock Reed and Venom. Gosh, there's a kind of symbiotic thing going on between the one in, I want to say pew, but no, the seat in the movie theater and what you're seeing on the screen. And this taps deeply into our emotional DNA. We know from the very beginning there's kind of a dramatic irony uh, unra- un- un- unveiling itself in in the movie, and that is that we know from the very beginning that this guy Brock he's right, you know. But it, but it's cost him everything. He's lost everything: his fiance, his job, his reputation. 
And so there's something so enjoyable about the one who's down and out suddenly uh, becoming powerful mm-hmm. and uh, letting those who oppressed him have it. Yeah, uh, maybe yeah. there's something healthy and holy about that, something very unhealthy and unholy about it, but it does tap into a deep sensitivity, I think, along those lines. And we want it, we want to see uh, we want to see that kind of uh, turn in movies because what he did was right. You know, it's not right. only that he was right, but in him pursuing the truth of something, yeah, sure, why not? That's that was the right thing to do. We long to see. Uh, these kinds of things vindicated. Yeah, yep, we do. Absolutely. And, and so that certainly happens in this movie. It's interesting, I, at, at the crux of, I guess, the the matter, the, the battle between right and wrong, the ethical concern here, there's a, a huge, I mean, multi-billion dollar, I guess, corporation called the Life Foundation. Yeah. And the, this is, uh, you know, a, a very wealthy uh, man is at the head of this, and it's space travel, and it's biological research and all of that. And he's brought these aliens back because, you know, he wants to try to figure out how can we fuse them to human beings so that human beings can survive in extraterrestrial environments and we can continue the human expansion and the conquest. It's, it's the Life Corporation, and yet it's so destructive of life. Mm-hmm. They're, they're mm-hmm. gathering up homeless people and performing uh, experiments on them that are, that are doomed des- you know, uh, to, to kill the, the, uh, those who are participating. So I, I thought there was an irony there, the, the Life Corporation, and here it's so destructive of life. But it also, I, I think that it speaks to uh, a moment we're in in our culture, and that is, and, and the kind of the leader of the Life Corporation says it himself, that, uh, you know, God has abandoned you, and mm-hmm. I will not abandon you. I being human uh, scientific development, and we're going to save ourselves, essentially, by mm-hmm. creating this superhuman fusion. So I, I think that it spoke to a moment that that is that science is going to be our salvation in the place of God. And, and he even very explicitly referenced Scripture as he's talking about this salvific work and he's sacrificing the poor uh, for the sake of the survival of this higher life form. Yeah, the first uh, homeless guinea pig, if you will, uh, his name was Isaac. Yeah. And so he uh, brings in, he kind of parachutes in uh, the dialogue between Abraham and Isaac, which I thought was fascinating. And on the heels of that, he says, you see, God didn't really care about Isaac. He made a great point about Isaac, by the way, <laughs> right, <laughs> you know, that right. Isaac's an important character in that story. We forget about that. But uh, he says, you know, God didn't really care about him, but I do. But we see this so often, and especially when it comes to uh, human innovation and uh, the betterment of the human race, uh, that how we try to walk this fine line and, and um, you know, how careful we have to be about sacrificing our uh, ethical moral values or convictions about the dignity of the human person, every human person. Mm -hmm. And we can look at our history and see how, well, this person or uh, fudging this line here and there, how destructive that's been, especially when you talk about uh, doing experiments on people Mm -hmm. Um, and the, the medical ethical questions these days perhaps ask us to to look at those lines those those moral uh, considerations very carefully yeah pope benedict the 16th in jesus of nazareth which he penned as pope was talking about the question of truth and the pursuit of truth mm. and kind of out of nowhere he brings up francis collins mm. and the human genome project yeah and he says you know this isn't a bad thing that we have advanced technologically so as to better understand who we are in our humanity But who we are in our humanity does not stop at the Human Genome Project. Right. Because what God reveals in His Son, in the Incarnation, is that we are more than just 
the Human Genome Project, that ultimately, if you are going to fully understand truth and, and pursue truth as you ought, you have to consider the revelation of truth. And so he pulls from the area of science and he says, okay, good over there, but this good is only going to be as good as you look over here, right? Yeah, and yeah. over here is the fullness of revealed truth. And certainly a point to be had, Father Mike, as we kind of reflect into what this movie is putting out there, mm. which is not only a quest to better understand the metaphysical, certainly that's part of this movie, but also who we are as human beings. Yeah, and, and we've spoken to this before about, you know, the God uh, that's being embraced in this movement is the God of progress, really, and yeah. that everything can be sacrificed in, in the worship and the pursuit of this God of progress. And ultimately, uh, you know, that's how we're going to uh, come into salvation or better life, however you want to contextualize it. I think this is as ancient a story as it gets, you know, the yeah. Tower of Babel that we ourselves yes. are going to make, build ourselves up into yes. godlikeness. What's embedded in the story, though, is, and what we know as the audience, there's a, there's a destructive drug or, or, or real evil embedded inside mm. of this mm. ambition. Yeah. The, ho- the creature, the higher life form, is, is literally killing the host. It's, re- it's eating it alive inside. So I, I think we have there... Um, a powerful image, if you want, maybe a powerful metaphor for a, a very, I think, holy, God-given desire when it becomes misaligned, yeah. you know, or, or or badly oriented. Yeah. So I thought there was there was something um, fascinating about that that that's worth some reflection. Absolutely, and the thing of it is, Father Mike, when you draw back and kind of look at what this movie is doing, you have this kind of invasion, if you will, from mm-hmm. another life form into the host, and there's a transformation that takes place. And I couldn't help but get out of my mind uh, Romano Gardini, who who loved to talk about grace as an invasion of grace, because in this movie, there's a whole lot of invasion of evil. There's an invasion of a extraterrestrial kind of supernatural organism. And so you can kind of put the two side by side, the supernatural invasion of evil, and then the supernatural invasion of grace. Uh, There's a spiritual theologian by the name of Jordan Alman, who, when he talks about the spiritual life, he puts it in the context of the supernatural organism. Mm. And that was very helpful for me because ultimately, once we understand that what we receive from God is organic life-giving, that helps me better understand what God-likeness is like, as, as you put it earlier, because only then can we really grab at what it means to be more fully human, yeah. right? So the supernatural organism is just not grace, but the fruits of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. So if you're to take, say, maybe the gift of understanding. Uh, Father Mike, we can understand a lot of things under the natural light, right? Using our capacity to reason. But in the spiritual gift of understanding, we now put our understanding under supernatural light, right? Under the light of Christ. And that gives us a deeper understanding of the knowledge we have come to understand, if you follow. I do. (laughs) So with that, that, when you talk about the supernatural organism and the spiritual life, you're talking about something that can help us better understand, if you will, what it means to be more fully human, Mm -hmm. and ultimately what the supernatural life is all about. Absolutely. And this idea of symbiosis and whatnot, and the the organism, the spiritual organism, as you discuss it, it just, it really drove home the importance for me of, uh, of Christology. Let, let, me, let me explain what I mean. I remember when we were in um, 
theology, and, and it was just so important that we nail down these Christological uh, formulations, you know, one person, two natures, two wills, and so on and so forth. And, yeah. and one can ask, well, how relevant is that? Uh, and and the, uh, the incarnation of Jesus. But it, but it really models the authentic humanity and the authentic spirituality, and that is that the indwelling of God in the human soul does not obliterate the human soul, yes. does not overpower it. Yes. Uh, to, be, to be in relationship with God is not to be conquered by God. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that somehow uh, to be um, the servant of the Lord does not result in the loss of one's uh, autonomy, one's dignity. And that kind of comes out, this question or this tension matures as the film goes on. Because initially, uh, the, the creature is um, inside of Brock and is telling him, I own you from now on, and you're nothing more than my ride. You might not survive this. If you do, it's only because you serve me. And as you know, and so there's this kind of this funny conversation. We are going to do this, and we're going to do that. Mm-hmm. But uh, we know the truth is, no, the creature is going to do it. What's ironic about the movie is when Brock is the most powerful, when he's uh, absorbing bullets, being healed, and controlling everything around him. That's also when he's most weak because he's totally powerless. He's not free. Yeah mature relationships in which we can say there is a, a, a healthy symbiosis, uh, I depend on you, you depend on me to a certain degree, but that's never one being ruled by the other. The divinity of Jesus does not overwhelm, over, you know, uh, obliterate his humanity, and so it is in this divine incursion of grace, if you want, this invasion of graces, it always calls for man's cooperation. Yeah, one might turn to the transfiguration, mm. right? You look at the Greek, and when you translate the Greek for transfiguration, putting it side by side to Jesus, it's Jesus, without ceasing to be who he was, became something more before the apostles. Mm. And in so many ways, that's what the, super, the, the supernatural organism of grace and, and life and the Spirit and its fruits and gifts is all about. Without ceasing to be who we are, in all of my Joe-ness, and for you in all of your Father Mike-ness, if that is such a word, or phrase, yeah, right? yeah, we'll yeah. roll with it, yeah. um, without ceasing to be who we are, we become something more in God. More completely actualized, yes. more, more fully yourself. Yes. Yes. And, and this growth happens in the movie. Yeah, it does. It does. Because in the end, you know, in the beginning, it's I rule you, you're my ride. In the end, now the human host is giving the rules. You can only eat bad people, mm-hmm. you know? And, and we, now not you as an inhabiting creature, but we are going to do whatever we like. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So I think that there's a, there's a deep intuition there that, that speaks to spirituality, certainly. It's, it also speaks to human relationships. We, I think we could all probably think of or look to an experience either in our own life or in the life of someone near to us where... There was kind of an unhealthy symbiotic thing happening there, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. where we talk about us and being we, but really one is uh, one is really being consumed and used by the other. Yeah, and I think God really does, Father Mike, encourage us to, in our everyday relationships, look at the distinction between the I, the thou, and the we, and what that looks like. Yeah, um, because all of us are attached to just not something, but someone, mm. some relationship that probably isn't the healthiest, and for whatever reason, we continue these unhealthy relationships, but God desires something else. He desires us to detach ourselves from those unhealthy relationships so that we might better understand the thou, uh, the I, rather. And when we do, then we can re-engage the we. Yeah. <laughs> and as we re-engage the we, certainly the relationship will be better served. 
And I think it's important to note at this point, you really need to watch this movie yeah. because the whole I, we, you thing is going to make sense when you when you get the the dialogue that's happening inside of Brock's head yeah. that he's talking to and being listened to by this indwelling creature. If we are going to talk about the invasion of grace and the spiritual creature, if we are going to talk about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, it's important to to have that evangelized sense of what that looks like and what it means. And I think an unreflected reaction might make it sound like, well, God is going to come in here and kind of rule me and control me or yes. whatever. Yeah. But but we really are talking about a, rela- a we relationship, mm-hmm. where you are the Lord, absolutely, but um, it's always a question of what we are going to do. Yeah, what does the word Lord mean? It comes from the Greek kyrios. What does kyrios mean? Uh, to be dominated by. Well, wait, wait a second, Joe, then aren't you saying the Lord has come to dominate us? No, no, no. A dominion that is best understood within the context of kingship, a shared dominion, mm. dominion, mm. dominate, right? A shared dominion. So mm. um, we have received this grace in baptism where we now share and participate in God's divine nature, as Second Peter 1.4 would remind us. So I thought just maybe a footnote to yeah. your point there, Father yeah. Mike. One last area for me to, to look at uh, that, I, that I found interesting was a dialogue that the creature of Venom has with Brock. And that is, at some point, you know, uh, these creatures had come initially wanting to devour everything at Earth and, and bring the other creatures, ha- you know, to eat everybody, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, just judging, just judging by what I've seen. Uh, but at some point, uh, Venom, he changes his mind. Uh, he's no longer looking at Brock as just his ride and somebody to be devoured. He decides that I have to now help Brock to stop this imminent invasion. Which for me was very unexpected, Father Mike. Uh, yeah, it it yeah. really had me tossing around all sorts of new ideas because I was expecting Venom to be, well, just the villain. Right. Not, not, uh, oh, the, not the anti-hero, if you will. I did right? too. Yeah. I did too. So that, that really was unexpected. But he, he becomes the good guy who's going to uh, heroically fight uh, to, to save now humanity. And Brock asks him, well... Uh, what changed your mind? Because he was into biting people's heads off and everything else. <laughs> and and the Venom's answer is interesting. Uh, he said, you did. Yeah. Uh, again, they, he rehashes this, I'm, I'm a nobody in my world, you're a nobody in your world, we're both weak, and we have to kind of rise against maybe the more powerful oppression. But, but I got the sense that it, it ran deeper than that, and this was all subsequent to his experience of his love, of mm. Brock's love for the girl, and, and kind of the humanity of it all. You get the sense that his character, his uh, moral alignment, however you want to put it, moves, it changes Venom. Mm-hmm. And it just, it occurred to me, in the face of the superhuman strength, the, the, the uh, kind of inevitable demise at the hands of a far superior evil power, it was the good quality, the good moral character of his life mm-hmm. that allowed for triumph. Yeah. Who was it? St. John Chrysostom. He, he has a line, he says, uh, the Lord who knows the nature of created things knows that it's not a fierce defense that beats back a fierce attack, yeah. but rather moderation, that kind of the wholeness of one's life. And I just think that, you know, you and I and, and we were against, I mean, we don't have to look too far to say we're, we're against terrible evils in the world. And, and one might look out at, at a world uh, where there's suffering and pain and, and darkness to be sure and ask, well, how will I ever overpower all of that. And the, the beautiful insight here, I think, is that uh, the good uh, moral quality of one's life, that proper alignment towards what is good, 
has great power, has a power that power does not have yeah. uh, to turn evil into good. Yeah. And I think that's something really worth uh, claiming and celebrating. And to me, th- this is kind of the uh, pivoting point of the movie, and I think it's greatest insight. I agree with you, Father Mike, and that's an excellent observation because the good, when you look at the transcendentals, you know, truth, beauty, and goodness, you and I have talked, maybe not on air, but elsewhere, the importance of those three, you know, once you start talking about evangelization. Uh, While you could say maybe beauty is the most winsome, good certainly is very important. And, you know, it's von Balthasar who says we should start evangelization not with the truth, but with the beauty and the good, mm. because the beauty and the good opens one up to truth. Yep. Now, you can speak to truth, and we need to speak to truth, and certainly we do that here on air at Seeds of Truth, right? Seeds of Truth. But yeah. by the grace of God, we reflect and contemplate important points of beauty and good. Yeah. And so good is disarming, yeah. right? Mother Teresa is good. And so you are drawn to the good. And as you are drawn to the good, it opens you up to the conversation that needs to be had. Brock Reed, good. You know, something else that strikes me about this movie, Father Mike, and it just didn't hit me until two minutes ago, and this is what you get when you go straight from the movie theater, right? Sure, sure. Is that there were certain, you were talking about these organisms in these window encasements, and Drake, the owner or the CEO of the Life Foundation, he was doing some trial runs with these different animals, and finally, you know, this plasma-like organism bonds with this rat, mm-hmm. right? And he says to the doc, okay, now we need human hosts yeah. and we need human trials. And she struggles with this and this is part of the movie, but they bring in the homeless and initially it didn't work. And so what I didn't get until the very end is that these plasma-like organisms from another world were bonding based upon what? Personalities, Yeah. right? Because right. in the end, Venom took to who but Brock Reed. And it's interesting, Drake's comment to Venom is, you have a strong host. Yes. And somehow that compensates for Venom's significantly less developed yes. powers. Yes, that was in their final ba- battle when he was when they were duking it out, right? Yeah, so uh, what's striking to me, and, and maybe as a concluding thought on my part, is just Brock, throughout the whole movie, he's just a mess. He's a mess. He's stumbling over himself, He's de- and especially when he's first uh, infected, he's just a walking disaster. Yeah. But there's, there's a great integrity about it, and that great integrity evangelizes. Yes. You know, yeah. and I think uh, I take a, a note from that, and that is that, you know, we, we might be stumbling over ourselves and we might be a mess, but that great integrity, that proper alignment of our lives mm. has, even inside of the struggle, great power uh, to turn evil into good. Gosh, listening to you, Father Mike, I cannot help but think of St. Peter, who was one outrageous extreme after another. Mm. And yet, as you and I both know, Christ gave him the keys to lead the church. You speak of evangelization, well, there you have it. (laughs) So, Father Mike, for me, I guess my closing thought is this. People were made to be loved and things used. We love things and use people. Mm. One of the things that this movie casts a light on is the throwaway culture, right? Who was being used as the guinea pig but the homeless? Who was being used as the trial run but the one on the margin? And here, Drake thought he was playing God. He does the opposite of what God does. He uses people and loves things. And as I left that movie theater this evening, I couldn't help but think to myself, if there's anything to this destruction, as you put it earlier, it's because we love things and use people.
And we really need to turn this narrative around. Amen? <laughs> Amen. All right, Father Mike, can you close us with a word of prayer? Lord, we live in a world uh, where there is an incursion of your grace. We ask you for the openness to be cooperators with that grace and so to live with you in ever deeper ways. Then we ask for your blessing, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Father Mike. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 5.30 here on KKXX. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.